clearly there's a level of frustration, a level of disappointment, and um, you know, for a whole range of different reasons. Because clearly, you know, the, the laws state that you can contest the ball. And Jacob's only thing that he was looking at was contesting the ball. So, um, you know, the, the fabric of the game's been challenged. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. This pr- episode is proudly brought to you by our sponsors, Hop Hand Brewing and Value Electrical Group. My name is Tim, and I am joined each and every week by my co-host Simo. Mate, how are we doing? Kicking well, mate. Yeah, doing well. Uh, D's are six and two. Can't really complain too much, and. Uh, getting really excited for this weekend's game, knowing that I can actually go to a Saturday twilight, so that'd be good. Um, how about you, mate? How are you feeling? Yeah, yeah, going all right. Sort of over the over the COVID feels a little bit now. I think sort of starting to feel a little bit normal. Um, you know, getting past that fog brain and yeah, getting back into the swing of things at work. But then like I'm trying like a new diet, so like I'm trying to battle off like certain certain <laughs> certain elements of hunger here and there. And uh, what else is going on? Uh, I am doing like the May 50k, so I've been uh, getting up at sort of 5:30 and doing sort of 3k's most most weekday mornings, which has been nice. But uh, yeah, starting to feel a little bit sore. So no, there's a little bit going on, and then there's obviously a lot going on in the footy as well too. So it's um yeah, it's been it's been a week, but no, as you said, looking forward to going in this week. Days are travelling well, but it's hard to escape it. Sim, it's it's taken over the week of footy really in the AFL not quite Rue Beauty is it oh, just the tribunal fiasco that is Jacob Van Ruyen's uh, yeah case so listeners would clearly know uh, decided for two matches for striking whatever it is um, and then <laughs> attempted to gone to, go for the footy yeah. yeah and then yeah gone to tribunal and then obviously yeah Ban upheld, which just gobsmacked everybody. And I suppose as a supporter, it's it's reassuring to see that the football community, not just the Melbourne camp, but the football community is right behind Rue and right behind this absolute outrage because, yeah, I think everybody was surprised and shocked by that last night, for sure. Yeah, it, it was bloody hard to see... That happened, and I was just hoping to God it wasn't a case. And I thought, you know, once they were able to actually, well, he actually pleaded not guilty. I thought, you know, he will get off, and we'll be we'll be all sweet. And then to to hear and to see some of the posts of actually what they were talking about to label what it was was pretty disheartening to see. And yeah, good on the sort of the AFL community and also the D's community for wanting to to make a change in that sense. And you know, hopefully something does go through. And I tell you what, Tim, I don't know if you've seen it, but there was a, a funny meme on, I think it might have been an AFL Fight Club, and it had Jacob Van Royen in a Carlton jersey. So no, like, no, kind of like the Cripper sort of thing. I had, a, <laughs> I had a great giggle of that one. So, yeah, if that's, you know, you, you go, and that Cripper's was much worse. I mean, the player was absolutely cooked for it, but then, you know, Ballard's a high chance to play this week. So you think, you know, he got cleared of all r- structural damage, so, you know, I mean, there's, there's no malice in the play. He was, it, to be fair, it was a little bit clumsy in terms of the spoiling attempt. Did he have to do it? I mean, we don't want to take away that from Rue because that's his type of game. He crashed his packs. He had his eyes at the footy. He looked at the drop zone, then went for the spoil. Obviously, didn't come off the way he planned. 
And yeah, it, it's just a bad look for AFL to for this to happen. And much, you know, many commentators, like I heard Brownie was just saying, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, multiple people saying that, yeah, it's just disheartening to see in our game. So I guess the chairman of the tribunal, Jeff Gleeson, has really kind of, yeah, put himself in a difficult situation here because, it, look, it does get very tricky. And I'm, I don't understand in terms of all the intricacies of the rules, but the way that he worded some of these things last night and reading the transcripts on Twitter and what they were talking about at the tribunal, uh, classing, uh, where are we? Sorry, I'm looking at the things. So the, so the, the points that the D's were making. So Rue was, makes contact with the ball or was within, within millimetres of making contact with the ball. Uh, it was simply watching the player to gauge the drop zone um, and it was made a direct line with the ball. Um, it was the only way that he could spoil. The contact is incidental with his bicep. So if there was any malice to that, if they're going to call that a striking charge and he's not using a forearm, he's not using a closed fist, there's no wind-up, the incidental contact is with his bicep. There was no remonstration from either, from players, um, from obviously Ballard was, was hurt and they took appropriate precautions to make sure that he was okay. And there was no alternative for Rude to really back out of that contest. What are you going to do? Like give up a goal, uh, you know, give up possession in that point of view. So there's one, one more thing I'm trying to get here. Um, so after that, obviously Ballard's on, on the ground and he's heard a crack in his neck. So hence that the Gold Coast training staff are being super precautious. So they want to make sure that they're, they're um, you know, taking their duty of care. They get the stretcher on to make sure that he's okay. Get him off the ground. He's looking to fully train this week, as you said, and play. So the result, we've barked so much over the last, what, couple of years, a few years about not punishing the outcome. And it's generally been on the other way where a player has done the act, you know, a bump or whatever it is, and the player has been able to get up, play out the game, and therefore the impact of that football act or non-football act, whatever it has been, has been downplayed. And we wanted to penalise the action, not the act. Well, this is the reverse of that in terms of it's such a light football action and then it looked bad, but then in the case of it, it's not It's not what it looked like. And I'm just... Sorry, I'm trying to find the um, the actual text what I was going to read out. 0.8 of a second took his eyes off the ball. That's ridiculous. And then talking about... All right, here we go. <laughs> Found it. However, we also find that a reasonable player would have foreseen that in spoiling the way that he did it would have almost inevitably resulted in a forceful blow to Ballard's head. So you're now asking players to make a split-second judgment, foreseeing what's about to unfold in front of you, and then make a decision about whether they're going to go for a marking contest. Now, there there you go. You're trying trying to take out the contest out of the game. And that's, I think, what's got everybody up in arms is that they are they're they're questioning the fabric of the game and goody came out and talked about it today before they officially announced that they're going to the appeals board is that yes this is this is one case and they want to clarify it for not only the d's players but you want to clarify it for the whole competition if this is something that they're going to keep pushing then like 
you can't just keep making up rules as you go along. Mm-hmm. We're all for player safety and mm-hmm. everybody understands that, protecting the head. But yeah, when there's no clarification about this, there's just going to be utter confusion between players. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been great to hear, like, you know, Hodgie was talking about it. You don't want to coach that out of young players. He's a six-gamer who's taught it, to contest the ball at the flight. It kind of reminds me of, I mean, <laughs> the, straight away, this is what the situation reminds me of. You know, in, well, in Gridiron, they do like a fair catch rule. No, I uh, don't, but you can tell me about it. it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, yeah, they call for a fair catch, and it's almost like they like drop a knee to say, like, if it's someone's about to get absolutely just cleaned up, you know, they're sitting under a high ball, they t- like drop a knee or whatever. And it also reminded me of the longest yard where Fat Tony, I don't know if you've seen it, too, but yeah, he did the same fair <laughs> catch. But then DVD. <laughs> the, prison, the prison guard just runs right through him. But then again, you think. Imagine if that became a part of our game and how crap that would be to see. But taking the contest out of it would just be Ugh. But you're and... entitled so you're entitled to spoil if your sole object is to mark or spoil the ball at a cont- at, at a contest, the rule states that you are that incidental contact is allowed. And you look at the way that Root is going for the ball, there is no maliciousness about what he's doing. He's not trying to make him earn it. He's not trying to make Ballard. He's not trying to give off a heavy free kick and make him earn the ball. He's trying to bring it to ground like every young forward should do, how mm-hmm. he's been coached to do, and do the right thing by his teammates. What he's out there for is to launch himself at contest, as you said at the start of the pod. Like He's there to crash packs. That's exactly what he's doing. His sole intent is to spoil or get to that contest Mark and or spoil that ball, and you are allowed to do that. And the fact that they've gone backwards on this is like he's going to be, yeah, he's going to be red-faced, Gleason. And look, I love that they've obviously made sure that they, you know, they didn't even think twice about appealing this. It really shows good support towards Root because could you imagine him as a young player feeling just like utterly confused and mm-hmm. the fact that now he's got the club backing him behind him and saying like, we're in your corner, we're going to fight for you and, and look, let's hope that it happens. But regardless of the situation, at least Root can feel comfortable being like, I haven't done anything wrong and it's yeah, it's just been such a farce and uh, yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. It's obviously yeah taken over everything, mate. I haven't even, I haven't even thought about the Gold Coast game that they were sitting down tonight to talk about. So well, yeah. or a I bit mean, of everything. But you, you're, yeah. I mean, you were itching to get it out last night. But I was, obviously, <laughs> well, when it came out, yeah. When you came out, you just wanted to unleash. Um, but look, we're right to move on. Are you, are you, we can, you, we can. Set up the dust? So yeah. tomorrow night. So tomorrow night, uh, they'll they'll go and deliberate. Um, it was interesting. Just one last point. Goody's press conference today, and one of the reporters was asking him, "If Rue isn't available to be selected, can you, you know, who who are you thinking is next in line? Like, has Ben Brown done enough to to make his way back in, or who are you thinking to replace him?" And <laughs> and his response was just, "He's being picked. Like, I'm not even thinking about that." He goes, "We're picking him because, I mean, regardless." the outcome's not going to come out till after teams are submitted anyway. So, But it was just great to think, like, the confidence that they have, the grounds that they're going to have to be able to go to appeals is just, yeah, 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But it's not. That's it. All right, I'm done. Let's move done. on. All right, move on. Uh, other news. It's necessary. Yeah, it is necessary. And it's we we're stepping back to you know almost a close to all Australian player 2021 Christian Salem coming back. You know, being available for selection and. You know, it'd be good to see him go back through the VFL just to get some continuity in his body and get some runs on the legs before he does come back. But, gee, it's going to be great to have him back. Where he plays is going to be really interesting to see. I know he played more half-forward, sort of wingish early on in his career and then obviously made a move to, to half-back where he flourished. Uh, so it'd be really cool to have him back and to have that extra, you know, really good ball user to pair with, you know, Gus Brayshaw, etc., in our squad and yeah how good is it to have him back it's amazing no it's a great story and yeah good he said today as well too look he said he's still a few weeks away from afl selection vfl got a buy this week so we won't get to get a game in but doing lots of match load at training and, and starting to work his fitness back up so no great to have Salo back there and hopefully as you mentioned it hopefully it unlocks gus to come back into the mid you know he doesn't now have to plug that hole as well down down back there as good as he's been it'd be great to see gus move back up the ground and get inside the guts a little bit more as well but no we can't wait to see salo come back with his uh lethal left lethal left leg how, how do you actually generally how do you actually feel about salo potentially coming into a half forward role like you almost think like a like a spargo position where having someone deliver the footy inside 50 um knowing that the, the caliber of player is with with the backs that we've unleashed this year, obviously, with uh, Juddy McV coming on now and him had been rock solid and you're, th- you're thinking players in his sort of mould, you know, Brayshaw being a little bit of Mr. Fix-It kind of thing, would, it, would there be a spot for him at half forward to, yeah, be that one to deliver the footy inside? Because Spargo, did he... Ha- I don't know how he went in the VFL, I haven't actually checked, but you might have some intel, but uh, he could be... Yeah, we could mix it up, I mean... Goody spoke about mixing it up a fair bit this year, and we've seen that. And you think could Salo be the one to do that as well? Yeah, I mean he's naturally pressed up the ground a fair bit as well at times when when necessary. Like he's he has been able to sort of deliver that ball and be that kind of transition player delivering the ball inside fifty. We know that that's still something that we're working towards in terms of finding you know, great ball users to be able to do that. Hunters help that to an extent. Uh, consistently, maybe don't know, but yeah. Oh, look, I'm sure it could be something that experiment with as well. In in terms of Spargo, I'm not exactly sure. Goody said that he played well. I haven't actually checked his stats there, but he's he's available available for selection. So hopefully, he'll be pushing pushing to get into the seniors uh, on Saturday afternoon and see see how he tracks for that. But he'll he'll be yeah a welcome addition for sure. Well. Should we <laughs> Saturday night, mate? Well, afternoon, late, late, late evening, uh, late evening, late afternoon, whatever it was. That was probably as stressed as I've been. <laughs> yelling like with this whole diet thing that I'm doing, and sort of not not drinking as much, and and I, you know, I probably had maybe one or two gin and tonics Saturday afternoon when I when I'm watching the game. But that is probably as stressed as I've felt. And yelled at the TV as much as I have for, that I can remember in the last couple of years, mate. It was such a gritty, uh, con, you know, gritty game. It was so uh, like frustrating at times, but far out for the days to come in, and yeah, just get the four points. I mean, Gold Coast were bloody good, and I think 
there's going to be a lot of that tonight. I know I've you know, got a lot of respect for, for Gold Coast and some of their players are just absolute stars in the making. And they were probably unlucky at times to to maybe not come away with the win. This could be very easily a different pod if uh, McPherson slots that and whether it's a draw. Uh, D's definitely had their chances to also ice it earlier on. So it sort of goes both ways in that sense. But yeah, it was just... Look, a, probably a great game to watch from a neutral point of view, but it was, yeah, scrappy, heated, and then you just saw some great individual performances probably on both sides as well. What did you make of it? It's a really interesting one, like, as well. I missed the first half coming back from footy, <clears throat> and I was I was pretty relaxed, actually. I was just, yeah, just having a few drinks before the 21st, and, yeah, I had people over, so I couldn't really go a little bit too overboard, and I was... I was like, you know, I, I was pretty, pretty upbeat, pretty positive during the whole experience, but I was just like, oh god, what are we doing? And I just, I mean, it was, it was a big arm wrestle. There was never a huge discrepancy on the scoreboard. It was just a constant contest. And look, from a neutrals, as you said, neutrals point of view, I thought it was a really good game. And you, you saw Noah Anderson really flex the muscles, and I just thought, probably the biggest takeaway is why the hell didn't we send something to him, someone to him, because he was just absolutely carving us up and. Uh, I don't, yeah, it, it baffled me to know that he was just running rampant everywhere and the inside 50 count too. I, I don't know, that's, I suppose it's something we can talk about a little bit later on, but it's probably probably positive for us knowing that we've been beaten by 15 and we're able to get, you know, five more scoring shots in them, which is quite pleasing to have, well, what, 25 scoring shots from 46 entries, which is huge. Um Obviously, a lot of missed opportunities, which could have gone either way, and you know, a few free kicks that probably should have gone against us. And we've, yeah, we're, we're a yeah. bit lucky, I suppose, that it kind of made up for a few Richmond calls a few weeks back. But um, definitely got the rub of the green in the last quarter. Uh, can't knock. I think just another big thing that really stood out for me, and it was funny because you actually said, "Oh, Riv, what was he thinking when he gave the handball and they ran into the open goal?" But then the big diving spoil, I just thought. Yeah made up for and I just thought he was massive in that last you know few minutes but, are you are yeah. you are you just reading straight off the next section's notes now you... I actually haven't even looked at the notes <laughs> so oh that's all right but just genuinely did not look at the notes just then no that's fine that's I've okay done well there. that's right we're almost in the next segment Great the only thing I was going to say before we launch into that was just every time that the D's seemed to sort of get a bit of breathing space Gold Coast just it managed to, to, to bring the momentum back their way and like you look at our first three goals you know got there pretty quickly and then they responded pretty much straight away with with another three goals uh, almost uh, for the next 10 minutes so it certainly seesawed like that in terms of yeah in terms of momentum and at times when the day seemed to get on top of things they would just surge back but yeah they're a really resilient footy club and they don't get a lot of i suppose spectacle um, they don't get a lot of attention outside of, well, I don't know if they get much up there anyway, but I think the respect from the competition, looking at some of these young players who, I mean, as you said, Anderson was number pick two. It was Raul Anderson, same draft, right? One, two. Yeah. Raul's um, game was, oh, mind you. Clearances in the first. Can I, can I say um, something funny about Matty Raul? Have you seen the video where he's sniffing the grass <laughs> and eating it? Mate, what is he going is on a there? different cat. He's a genuine different cat. But 
strange. I don't know if it, it, it's a bit strange. <laughs> well, do you know, Real had 18 touches, and I think there was some crazy stat there, like 12 clearances with 18 touches. Yeah. We had five clearances is, in the first quarter. I was going to say, he, yeah, he was just, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you, get, you get somewhere if you're eating grass, I suppose. <laughs> it, does that make him a goat? Does that make him a goat? Ooh, nice one. Very good. <laughs> you can hear the echo. Actually, I was going to say, yeah, well, no, Al had a chuckle downstairs. So <laughs> doing something, right? The audience. The audience is going, oh, no. You as, 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 as LeBron walking into, the, walking into the locker room, it was after oh, one of the playoff games and all his teammates are just going, eh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. That's so well. Anyway. Where are we going? <laughs> All right, let's let's launch into the next bit. Back into the game, so um, it's a real credit to the boys. Um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and, and you know, really lead from the front, and I thought we did that all day. So we want to play our way. Just go after the boys. All right. Well, as I said, a game dominated by some individual performances, but as collectively as a team, there's a few nice things to take away from today's game, even though it wasn't our ideal perfect game that you want to see from us. Like it was just, I suppose the ability to be able to find different ways to win. And yeah, we scraped the barrel, but I think our captain Maxi probably had a little bit of an underrated game. I think it, it, as in look at the talking points for the game, aside from the Rue incident, I thought his game was, was tremendous. And yeah, especially that sort of moment early in the, uh, in the second quarter where he's just come out and taken three intercept marks is, he just really sort of owned the game, was great in the ruck, and then and managed to hit the scoreboard. Yeah, one really nice lead-up mark, and then one sort of freebie from the uh, from the reversal. But yeah, to get to get a couple of goals and a really strong game around the ground from him, I thought he he was uh, yeah definitely definitely up with his best, and we probably would have struggled to get on top of the Suns without him, honestly. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he kind of at times really put himself out there in terms of dominating around the ground. I think we had 17 hitouts, but gee, there was some quality hitouts. I think there was a backflip to um, to Oliver. Uh, there was a play where I believe Sparrow finished with the goal. There's a tap behind and Clary handballed at Petrarca's ankles, I think, and Petrarca with an amazing lateral handball to, to Sparrow and a kick on the, on the run from 50. I thought that was really, really classy. And I think... Probably a good segue to track. You know, that, that classy goal he kicked in the last quarter was, you know, just track doing track things and I hope that continues for him. I think Clary I think Clary again, it, it's you know, something that happens every week, but yeah, Clary was really strong again. Obviously tasked with Matty Rao running around with him, two rangers going at it, as I think I spoke about <laughs> last week. Indeed. Uh, I I thought he his contest work was pretty strong and uh, his contested ball was up as well, so I mean that's expected. I think he's, I think he's got a crazy stat where he's had well over fifty games with, I think it might be five plus clearances, five one. plus clearances plus. Yeah. I think it's something to do with contested footy as well. But yeah, crazy stats for his for his age and the amount of games played. So yeah, yeah, he, he just keeps on keeping on, doesn't he? He he does. He and he probably impacted the game. There's a few few players like this that kind of were relatively quiet in in patches and and Oliver did have swallow as as company for a bit in that second quarter and I was sort of thinking that especially in that second quarter like we hadn't seen a lot of him but I think like what he does he just 
finds a way to get back into the game. And yeah, that that highlight, as you mentioned there, with leading to Sparrow's goal. And yeah, again, like love Tommy Sparrow's, love Tommy Sparrow's game, obviously. Uh, not obviously. He's back, um, he's back honestly, after, yeah. uh, after I gave after, him a bag. <laughs> he's been amazing, Spaz. So yeah, no, no. Uh, Oliver, Oliver, again, yeah, worked his way back into the game and, and yeah, was certainly influential there. Probably close to our, yeah, in our top three best on for sure. As as was, well, probably this man's last quarter and, and really the, some of the dying efforts that he did. But yeah, Jack Viney, uh, I think it was a Dunstall. Somebody called him the fifth Beatle uh, on the night, which is which is probably fair because between Gorn, Petrarca and Oliver, um, and he's not the fifth battle. I don't know who who am I missing in the midfield there, um, but a player that maybe doesn't get talked about as much as he should, as much as like the other star-studded midfielders. His efforts in the last quarter were just were massive. Um, it's what we want from our vice skip again. Like we know consistently what he's going to do on the field, but again, even that last grasp, you know, the the last mark, the, the ball's heading inside our defensive fifty. Uh, Anything could have happened. It's for him to stand under that ball, not be afraid of what's going to come to him. I mean, amazingly that nobody really got got near it. Honestly, like they just obviously didn't read the flight of the ball. But now nah, his his last quarter was massive. A couple of huge defensive efforts, especially when Gold Coast were really pressing. So yeah, hundred percent. I thought yeah, there's a huge couple of moments from him, and I think. Yeah, the other one which we, which I kind of spoke about just before, is yeah, Trent Rivers diving spoil, little blitz like that. Obviously, don't want to overshadow the handball to the other players, but he's just evolved this year, Trent Rivers, and I think he's only going to get better, which is pretty crazy. And it'll be interesting to see if he becomes a midfielder when he gets a bit older. But um, love him down back. I think the players are now really starting to use him and utilize his pace and and kicking ability. I think, I thought Bowie as well. I thought Bowie was really strong, really efficient. Mind you, copped a Marbia Chol clip around the uh, the chops, which yeah. has been very popular in the uh, the Melbourne chats, thinking that Chol should have got a week for for his antics. I actually haven't seen it. I've just seen the, the pictures. Probably should. Nah, nah. it was it but, was pretty, and and that was there was a fair bit of demonstration after that as well too. It was yeah, it yeah. looked pretty nasty. And, and look, the tough little nugget that he is, he just gets up and keeps on keeps on going, which is. Which is great, but again, it still baffles me also that why that wasn't even considered in the MRO stuff. Like it's, yeah, again, just a bit of hypocrisy there. Um, but I, I, I thought on a night where some of our probably senior players were a little bit off, we had some amazing efforts from our young players. And yeah, you already, you already noted Sparrow. I thought again, his game, his ability to rotate and play heavy minutes in the midfield and goody talked about this as well so yeah and anderson were dominant a lot of the night like anderson obviously very dominant but i think the biggest thing for us and i'll talk about this i think i've got it down here on the next oh no i don't i will talk about it um our ability to run out games has Uh been really uh present because of our ability to spread the midfield load Gold Coast are so reliant on some of those star players that absolutely dominated. But then there's a reason why we're the number one fourth quarter team in the competition. And yes, I think what we only just got over the line in that fourth quarter, but we have not lost one yet. And Goody talks about that. He goes, the the fact that I'm able to put Sparrow through, put um, James Jordan through, put these other players through to keep Oliver track, 
Varney fresh for the last quarter, I think that benefit is is going to continue to get us wins on the board and it's going to enable us to hopefully get back to our running best of 2021 when when we had the Darren Burgess fitness you know we could see that we were we were killing it in terms of our match fitness we were, we were clearly a class above running out teams and and that was a really important factor as well so one other player Oh, no, do you have anything to say about that? <laughs> oh, I just think, well, it's interesting with all the fourth quarter stuff, yeah, because to have such a huge discrepancy in last quarters, you start thinking, yeah, 2021-esque. But also, I think 2021 were, were dominant, really, in third quarters, too, last year. Oh, sorry, in 2021. So third quarters, we peaked. I feel like last year, we were more first-half team, and then obviously had fade-outs in the second half. But, yeah, with the flexibility our team does provide, it does give us avenues and does keep our players a bit fresher um, to, to stand up in these big moments. And yeah, real kudos to, to what you know our players can bring. And yeah, the, the X factor really, I mean, obviously we've seen Cozzy at different set amounts as we've seen uh, Riv there as well. So yeah, I mean, we've got multiple players that can go through there and multiple options, which, you know, keeps sides guessing. Yeah, no, no, it, it is. And, and, and they'll continue to do it like Goody's open about it as well too. So it's not um it's something that Geelong did really well last year and they were able to sort of really build into some strong form and, and get into their best the best form of themselves, really. Find the best version of themselves towards the end of the uh towards the end of the season and, and that got them the chocolates in the end. So yeah, that's something that we want to keep saying through as well. I thought one other youngster I wanted to talk about was yeah, Judd McVee. I mean, you, you mentioned him at the top with Sailor potentially coming back, but McVee again, he just continues to impress as well too on a night where where we had probably yeah a few passengers. I thought from mm-hmm. a senior point of view, again he's been solid every single week, and again the poise that he has with the ball, his decision making, and being able to just sort of find space with the ball. His um, kicking is still working on, but yeah. Really impressed with the youngster, and again, just I thought, you know, Bowery running at eighty-eight um, percent, hitting the scoreboard for what second week in a row now, I think. So <laughs> that's nice to Thanks, see. Bowie. I don't know and, what he's um, sneaking up about thirty-five out from goal, which is fun to see. Yeah. So and then Sparrow, yeah, we talked about Sparrow. Sparrow's long bombs, you know, his his trademark long bombs, and I love the how good was it? Just like. He was watching it because it just snuck in for a goal. Yeah. He's sort of standing there looking yeah. at it, then raises the arm with the big pipes that he's got. And, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> did you like that one? Um, I did. I always talk about Trent Rivers' <laughs> calf, so there yeah. you go. You can have your moment so, of fame. No, no that, was, that was awesome. Um, but, yeah, that's that's probably about – I mean, I'm sure there's more, but the whole Rue stuff's just distracted me, really. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's rattled you. <laughs> All right, moving on. Yeah, that's me. Pretty, I'm pretty pissed. I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. That's very unlike the way we've been playing, and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. Is it hard to start off with saying not sending someone to Anderson? But do you think anybody could have actually done something? Because he is at out and outs. Superstar on the making. He was just he, on fire. Well, he, do you know, yeah, he's peaked. No, well, not really. I mean, he, he's arrived. I think we took Miller going down. It actually has opened up the door for him to take that next step. And, you know, he's just going to evolve now. And when they do get took back, you know, I mean, 
this is a D's podcast and a Gold Coast podcast, <laughs> but yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be a threat at midfield, and I think you know teams can't take this side lightly. I think they're gonna cause a few headaches. You saw them beat Geelong early in the year, you know, obviously almost had us pipped. So you know, I think teams are gonna actually have to start putting some work into Anderson because he's got so much drive. Uh, he, he explodes from a stoppage. He's on the move. Uh, he's a bit of a hard one to tag, but it'll be interesting to see what does happen there. I'm surprised I didn't send James Harms to him in that last quarter. Which, mind you, Jim, Jimmy Harms is actually pretty good when he came on, I thought. And it's good seeing him have a good run around. Yeah. Uh, it looked like we are putting some time in a row post-first quarter, and I think in particular around a stoppage. But Anderson was just running rampant constantly, and we I don't know why nothing was done about it. Yeah. No, look, as you said, whether it was hard to hard to combat, like Sparrow sort of being one, or Gus has been one, or or even Viney at, at stages has been. They're the players that Goody might tap on the shoulder to say, "Go and go and stand next to him." But yeah, I, I guess for somebody to sense the moment and yeah, to really kind of grab the game by by the balls as he did was well, look, it was impressive to watch. I think also. Like we said, that they're a plucky team. We we mentioned this last week, but I think more so to play at home. And you you watch the beginning of the game where you, they are playing dry footy. It was like you know a nice night there. It seemed like seemed like, and but then as you're watching the game go, like you're seeing the ball become more slippery. It's obviously dewy out there. It became much more of a slog, and, and I, I guess the experience from that side that plays so much footy there. It started to, I guess, take effect, and you could see that they had that slight advantage of, of knowing maybe how to play that. But no, look, I thought his game was awesome, and yeah, Rao, again, whilst he started on fire, he still was providing, you know, Anderson with with some of those outlets as well too. So it's uh, not so much negative, but I guess it's 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 highlighting <laughs> what things didn't go our way, isn't it? So uh, on to that. Possession was pretty interesting if you're looking at the stats throughout the whole game. So, as a team, as you know, the D's pride themselves on contested footy, um, owning the ball, lost mm. contested possession by 27, the largest margin this season. Yeah, that's tough considering that's what, what we pride ourselves on, especially with you know, your Protrakas, your Olivers, your Vines. That's, that's their bread and butter. And to see them go down by so much, but still get the win, it's, um, it's, well, it's, I mean, what can you say? I mean, obviously, if you win at the call face, you know, you get more entries, and that's why, yeah. that's why we got beaten on the in the entries because yeah, we did get beaten on the inside, and yeah, you know, your Rouse and your Anderson really torched us across that. They did um, stat. No, they did, and I suppose you're looking at con- at possession just in general. So, 51 total contested possessions for the first half. That's the lowest that they've had in any match that we've had in the last three seasons, which is which is pretty wild to think that. As you as you mentioned, just the players that we have in there in the midfield that can really rack them up. Yeah, for Gold Coast to kind of stick us that way, I'm sure that'll be a big talking point when when they're reviewing this week. But they just managed to own the footy, especially in the second quarter. Like just sort of chip, chip, chip. Um, when they were able to sort of own the ball, we were down 35 uncontested possessions from our season average. We were down 22 marks from our season average. So you could look at it that Gold Coast just tried to possess the ball, keep it out of our hands, and 
they looked really dangerous when they put a bit of speed on it as well. So they got a couple of goals pretty easily at the back, a couple from defensive chains, which is a little bit out of character for us as well too, something that we, we pride themselves on. So yeah, an off night for, for those metrics of the game. But as you mentioned, we still got to take out of it that they are able to get the four points. And hopefully it's a bit of a character building win because it easily could have gone, it could have gone the other direction. Now, I've made a bit of a blunder here, Tim. I've double-checked, and I actually got the stats around the wrong way. We actually had 16 more inside 50s than they did. So my <laughs> my two topics of talking about that have just gone out the absolute window. And now I'm starting to think of how much and how easy Gold Coast got the ball out of our forward half. So as a pretty pissed off sort of situation, I, mean, I actually thought some of our some of our pressure forwards were actually really good in terms of their pressure. Um, because I thought Darcy McPherson, Rory Atkins, they struggled to kick the ball at times. Knowing that, you know, your Cozzies, your Nibblers, they had all had high tackle amounts, so you think they're obviously putting a lot of pressure on the ball to make it hard for them to get out. But that probably leads to reverting back to my <laughs> inside 50 count. I mean, <laughs> 46, 46 entries for, what, 20 scoring shots, so just under 50. You, you think these, these have the past we've been pretty stingy and to give up 13 goals against Gold Coast in that sense I thought probably defensively we were lacking a little bit and I think Lever and May were nullified a fair bit especially I thought Ben King and Chole didn't get much of the footy but they were quite smart with their leading patterns for those two boys to be eliminated and you thought or I thought they were a bit shaky at times down back and yeah hopefully that changes with potentially Petty going back yeah, and look, we'll talk talk about this. You know, it kind of leads into what I'm going to talk about. At, well, actually, no, I was going to skip a point because getting stung for goals from free kicks didn't help. So then you're thinking about some of those, yeah, some of those missed opportunities there where we've been, yeah, ill-disciplined and given away. So three goals alone in the third quarter cost us goals. Um, did I say that? Three free kicks in the third quarter cost us goals, which is, yeah, also, again, not like us. We can talk about, yeah, the umpiring in, in, in itself was um, was a bit disappointing at times. But also from the D's point of view, we had countless opportunities. I say countless. We had plenty of opportunities in that last quarter to really put it away and put it out of reach where we could have easily been talking about a 15, 20-point win rather than a four-point win, five-point win. So Fritter, really off night. Um, he was crook, apparently, wasn't he? Was it? Well, I think I, I heard. He, I heard I he was a bit crook, players. but he's yeah. He was not himself kicking the mm. three points. You think? Well, was this? Uh, what was it? Thirty-four game streak? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Of a yeah, goal game, 30 so marks. thirty-five. I think. Yes, yeah, so that's game. gone. So that's uh, that's wiped. And yeah, two goals, six in the last quarter. You've, yeah, you yeah. nailed it. We just didn't. Yeah, didn't finish off any work. Harmsy on the run, like, you know, he's normally one that you can bank to sort of hit that. Langdon, I know, he's not the greatest set shot, but again, he's been been on fire lately, but the opportunities were there. And I guess, again, for us to have those, have the energy to be able to really press our claim forward, you know, we could have easily put that put that out of reach and, and not have such a stressful last few minutes. But wasn't to be. Thinking back to this also, there's a couple of goals that we haven't really talked about as well, which we need to. Um, <laughs> we need to talk about I know wrong segment Cozzy's goal far out the spin blind turn and, and goal and Cade Chandler our, our love child our new he's love child he's a star child. isn't he he's that, that he, first goal he's almost and, pulling out he's almost pulling out a ripper snap every week at the moment 
it was if it wasn't for Marjek, he would be winning goal of the week. I'd have to be. Marjek's yeah. goal was pretty Marjek's good. Marjek's goal wasn't even that good. He should have right. like he should have <laughs> left it through. To be fair. He should have done the team thing and let it go through, so bagger him. Somebody I thought had probably their worst game in Melbourne Colours. I think it was this week, or was it last week? But Lockie Hunter, at times, look, he's he's been a great addition. His IQ is very very welcome in the, in this team. It's somebody that we that we relish to have going inside fifty. But mate, when you don't have the leg speed, stop trying to take on multiple players and stop trying to give the dummy when players know exactly what you're going to do because he got pinged a couple of times. Yeah, he was a bit unlucky with one holding the ball. But we've been on him for the underground handballs, but there was just times where he was just trying to break too many, like break too many tackles, or or trying to get past the players by doing silly things. And he always leaves it to the last minute to get rid of the ball. And his yeah, his turnovers, some of those were just yeah, not not ideal. So I think something that he needs to sharpen up on. Did you notice that, or am I being harsh? I reckon you're being a bit harsh. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to hate me for this. And look, I'm just looking at the stats because I did miss the first half. Um, I mean, I hate to compare him and Langdon, but I feel like a lucky hunter had a much better game than oh, Ed Langdon. Did um, Ed, was Ed Langdon blank <laughs> besides his shot on goal? I don't think he was. Uh, is that, is, Eddie Langdon only had 12 touches. He must, yeah, oh, he's going to get a vote in my life. Just, just <laughs> if Ed Langdon gets a vote, I'm not voting for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, and Hunter, I mean, he provides an option. He keeps his width really well. And yes, I know exactly the one you're talking about in terms of him trying to step when he went back into traffic. Just keep going wide. But he does that. He does do that a lot though. He so does do it a fair it bit. Saturday, but... yeah, I'd love to see him kick on his right foot. To be fair, um, has he got one? Probably not. <laughs> to be fair, probably no, not. But no. yes, the underground handballs are just yeah. Get rid of them. And then... Just, just give it a rest. <laughs> the last thing that I want to talk about, and look, we don't want to always bag the umpires, but this is not so much for the decisions. Does Do the umpires know what fucking advantage paid is? Like, in terms of what is to the player's advantage? The amount of times on Saturday afternoon where they've paid the free kick and they've paid advantage when a player's about to run into traffic and the player has not, like, there's been no time to assess the situation and then say, okay, yeah, I'm going to play on. There was, I reckon, three separate incidents where both sides, both teams, right, play, like, umpires called advantage when there is clearly no advantage. There's one even where track, they really had to make it obvious that they were putting their hand up and stopping to take the free kick. And they... And oh, it infuriating. The umpiring, there was some umpiring there. Um, the commentators, fuck the commentators, like Jason Dunstall saying, you said we had the rub of the green. I don't reckon we had that much of the rub of the green. The troll fucking diving out of the way. Maxi pushes him in the side on that marking contest. There's no way that you can say that that has to be a free kick. Like, mm. there's so many elements to that. Yeah. Oh, to be fair, I, I was waiting for it to be called. Oh, look, I'm sh- yeah. Definitely. And I'm like, mm, he probably over overemphasize it. To be fair, and you know, Rivers probably, you know, might have been swallow. I think it might have been in the marking contest. Did no, hold him yeah. across, which could have been paid as well. But umpire must be so difficult at the moment, and you know, across any any sports, it's so so difficult. But then, are we over? 
compensating with the four umpires? Who knows? Well, that's that's exactly right. You're putting too many cooks in the kitchen, aren't you? Like you're trying to get everything right, but then you've got yeah, it, you had umpires overcorrecting, calling from fucking three kilometers away. Uh-huh. Something that how on earth are they supposed to get an angle in into that? This, this has happened in the last few weeks, not necessarily on Saturday afternoon, but yeah. No, anyway, that's enough umpire. You get listening to some music in the background. What do you got playing? Is there something uh-huh. playing? No. Nah, I'll TV going on. Uh, I think it's Al in the background, it's too noisy. <laughs> no, it's all right. I can just hear something. I was like looking around. Oh, yeah, anyway. But no, nah, that's about. I don't know. Anything else from you? Uh, I think well, Grundy giving away seven free oh, kicks yeah. hurt my supercoach side, so I don't really. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a bit frustrating. Considering he was actually having a really good game in the first half, um, but it just seems like there was little spot fires in that second quarter where he was making a few mistakes and. I think a few of the Gold Coast players were getting under his skin, and yeah, he didn't really keep his cool. And I was, you know, I mean, I'm sure you can shed more light on this because I was listening in the car, and the uh, I was actually in the KFC drive-through at the time when it was all happening. I'm like, yep, my super coach is cooked this week. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, I, I don't have that much empathy for you because I don't really understand. <laughs> I don't really know what it is, but I was I was pretty active on Twitter on Saturday afternoon and. This is something I think between Max and Grundy, but I f- it really feels like that Melbourne gives away the most free kicks, like ruck infringement free kicks in the middle. And I just don't <laughs> understand it. Um, yeah. This is interesting. Can I read this out? I'll just quickly jump to Twitter for a second. Mm. Will Powell. Gold Star. Star uh, making l- hang on. Nah, listen to this though. <laughs> uh about the whole Rue situation, just to go back to that. I think he, I just think he got it wrong. I think Van Ruin got what he deserved. The MRO was doing a good job. What the fuck is that? Uh, what is he doing? Like, I mean, oh. Okay, now I revert my my comment and I say, <laughs> fuck him off. Oh dear. Anyway, that's it. That's enough about that. We, we said that was done, but yeah, I had to read that out. You, mate. <laughs> this nah. is you. I'm waiting for the intro. Yeah, just you calm down. It's the Hop ND Life or Display Player of the, War, Player of the Year Award. Uh, round eight. Let me tell you again. D's are six and two. Track along pretty nicely. Votes were pretty tough this week. I uh, Just thinking about it, I think there's so many honourable mentions here, but I thought... I thought Jake Bowie's game was really solid. I thought he was quite steady and he steadied the ship a fair fair bit on the weekend. Got at a high efficiency rate. I play a similar brand to him. I love him. He's he's silky, he's clean, and uh yeah, might need to start watching a watching him a bit clo- more closely, I think, and uh, learn something from him. Am I, am I supposed to talk now? Yeah, I've had a pair there. That's probably the worst intro of the year, (laughs) but let's roll. Well, you normally start with your first vote. You're asking me to start with my first vote this week. Wait, did I not? Oh, great. No, that was one vote. No, that was your honourable mention, you said. Oh, my Lord. I've had a pair. Bowie, one vote, sorry. Oh, so you're actually giving me a vote. Yes, sorry. Yeah, Bowie, one vote. All right, Bowie. 
I wouldn't talk about a player that much. (laughs) Get him on the board. Get him on the board. Moosey, number 17. One vote. My one vote goes to Gussie Brayshaw. I think, again, his game was probably slightly underrated, but just at times where the game was quite heated and we just needed somebody as a settler, similar to, to Bowie, but he's just been rock solid back there. Again, steering the ship. Am I just stealing your words now? <laughs> you are. Now, Gus Brayshaw's back. I reckon. Yeah. He's, he's back to his year last year. I mean, pretty pretty down first half a dozen games. But, yeah, definitely the last two have been rock solid. Uh, two votes goes to Maxi Gorn. I uh, thought he was huge in terms of us winning the game, in particular around the ground and getting on the scoreboard. Actually kicking straight. I mean, yes, it was a pretty easy, uh, easy couple of set shots, but... He still put him through. He did. And, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> We're having an absolute stink. <laughs> I just like thought I deleted the spreadsheet for a second because I'm trying to do this in real time. It's not ideal. Um, thanks, thanks, Robbo, by the way. <laughs> we had to, had to add that in. No, yeah. no, no look, no, Maxi, Maxi was unreal. I had to give, I had to give two, va- two votes to track. I think that it wasn't his typical track game, but... When the moment called for it, he was there, and that especially that goal in that last quarter. But again, his his work throughout the game, he was probably one of our more more consistent midfielders. I thought for four quarters on a game where they were certainly outclassed by the Gold Coast mids. But again, his ability to sneak forward and and kick kick that goal. Look, he had he had a goal at the dribbler in that last quarter as well too. Um, you know, could have been something special as well. But again, just. Such a dangerous player and, yeah, a, a class above. And in that fourth quarter where we really needed him, he stepped up. I'm going to go the same. Oh, sorry, I'm not going to go the same, but I'm going to have him for my three votes, Tim. Uh, like like you said, I mean, you've taken the words out of my mouth, but just I just feel so at ease when he's got, it, got the footy. I just know something's going to happen. Yes, at times, you know, he can butcher it or can blaze it away, but when he had the footy... We got a lot of scoring opportunities. Like you, you compare his game to Clary, and you think Clary's, yes, Clary's had a high possession. Well, actually, he only had two more than than Track on the weekend. But the value of Petrarca's clearance and explosive power is second to none. And you know, he, I think Track's up there with the best five co- players in the competition. And I think you know he can. Yeah, you know, he's a match winner. I mean, you saw that goal. You know, he could, obviously he's, he could have kicked another one as well. And you know, I think he gets the uh, the praise with Clary getting an honourable mention this week. He does, yeah. No, and yeah, like you look at both both of our votes. Yeah, Clary doesn't get a vote where he yeah Must was going pretty well. Was arguably in the top three. So, but hard too. All right, leaderboard. We have who's your three votes, mate? Where's... Oh, I didn't give it. No, Maxie, Maxie. Yeah, yeah. No, thought thought he's your not... love child. How many love childs can you have? Oh, too many. Too I many. Know. How many yeah. badges do you own? That's what I want to know. Mm. Well, not enough. That's probably, not enough. That's probably I've got answer. four. I've got yeah. four. Can you guess them? And one's Luke Jackson, so I've got to throw that out. <laughs> oh, fuck it off. Uh, who, who do I have? Who, which which four badges do I own? Rivers. Yes. Uh, Mind you, my nephew said he looked funny. Bowie? No. Uh, track? No. Clary? No. Max? No. No, I give up. Just tell me. You give up. Yeah. Cozzy, Cozzy, Viney, Gus, and oh, yeah. Trent. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you want a leaderboard? Go on, mate. Yeah, All right. Leading, leading the front is Christian Petrarca is leading on 18 votes. 
followed closely by Clary on, not closely, 11. <laughs> Seamless. Uh, so Clary's coming second with 11, and then we've got a tie for third. So we've got Maxi uh, with eight votes on three, and there's also, I'm scared to sort this by, um, by rank. No, Maxi is just sole third. There you go. So probably arguably our three best players, top three. A little bit, um, yeah, a little bit typical, isn't it? Last year wasn't wasn't as it much. It is, so. it is. But I'll, I'll always, I'm always good for a for an up and comer to get <laughs> at least one vote or two. But yeah, I think Rivers was close again. Um, Dollar. People only commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fagazi. Best, uh, Matthew, no, I can't, but it's uh, it's goes something like Fagazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> Fugazi, we've got to get our loyal listeners' thoughts on the game. Saturday afternoon's Gold Coast, gritty win by the D's. First one comes in from Mick Mole. Bloody lucky. Raoul and Anderson won the contested footy time after time. Still plenty of work to do, but good sides find a way to win, and we did that. Great learning experience. And, yeah, hopefully, you know, it's been a bit of talk about character building. I mentioned it before. Hopefully, it's one of those wins that, yeah, they can they can really take a lot of opportunities from to sound like goody, one of those things. They take a lot of learnings is what he would say. Uh, and, yeah, just at the, end of the, at the end of the season, it's going to be another four points that hopefully gets us in a good position at the end of the, end of the year. Yep, summed it up pretty well, actually. Uh, next one comes in from Carolyn Spud Stingle. Uh, petty to backline, and which I think is a great idea, by the way. Uh, has been forward nearly all year for no result. Is our premiership backman and may and leave a play much better with him with them at the moment. We are easily scored against Godes. Look, that's you. You've hit the nail on the head there because, I mean, it, it's a hard one because I mean, what is our best forward mix? And to be fair, I mean, we've got. Tom McDonald, we've got Shaki, we've got Ben Brown all in the VFL slash injured, not performing. And you think, what is our best, you know, best mix? Do you run with a Malksham or something? But the problem is Malksham's a great VFL player, but hasn't recaptured his form from like 2018, 2019. So you think, you know, he's probably not the answer. But then you've got, you know, obviously Max spending a bit of time forward, and then you've got Rue. You think... Petty's, Petty's that one that is able to go there, but I completely understand because our best footy was played when Lever and May can intercept and obviously Petty can eliminate and take away your second forward option. And I think in particular Lever's this year, he's been you know forced to play lockdown, which has you know, taken away a bit of his intercept game at times. Uh, I still think his intercept game has been really strong, but... Uh, yeah, I think Petty does need to go back. It's just a matter of what the right forward mix is. Well, you're not going to like what I got to say next because Goody in his press conference today, question was asked about that and it was posted numerous times on, on various D's sounding boards online over the weekend explaining the same view as what Carolyn did. It's not happening in the next few weeks. So they're persisting. He goes, they they like what they're seeing from Petty forward of the ball. It's, it's what they... You know they reckon he's progressing nicely, and they want to see him continue to build some consistency down there. So from that, he's he's not going back. Which is, I mean, I had that point as well too. Like I wanted to see him go back. It's he's a premiership backman for for a reason. 
I get that they're trying to find different avenues on how these players can impact our side. But as you mentioned, if it's taking away a real key strength from our backline in terms of Lever banging out to get in there and intercept, it does it changes the fabric of how we play and how we how we want our back six to really operate together. So yeah, it'll be as we say, it'll be interesting to see what what the uh yeah. what, what oh, no, that's a hard one. Then. All right. Oh yeah, my turn. Uh, last one. Uh, Ian... oh, boy. I, I was absolutely lagging big time. I was I was lagging. I was lagging there. <laughs> uh, Ian Guard says just one. I'm goal. battling. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I'm la- I was lagging. I think I'm back now. Here we go. Yeah, you just interrupted me. <laughs> just one goal from our two tall forwards. That comes in from Ian Guard. I don't know if Simo blurted over the top of me then or not. <laughs> but yeah. Interesting, like Rue got off to a great start, great mark, uh, had a couple of really good contests aside from the whole incident. But again, yeah, not not a, not a big not a big return from our tall forwards. Again, it was sort of spread fairly across our across our rucks, really. And, and four goals from Gorn and and Grundy, and then yeah, our small forwards kind of chipped in. So I don't know. It's it's going to be a topic of ongoing debate, and they're going to continue to to find the right mix, as you mentioned, over the next few weeks. And hopefully after the bye, after King's birthday and after the bye, um, they've settled on something and we can try and build some consistency then. What that looks like, no idea. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit. We understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing, but we also want to just take it you know, one week at a time. And coaches say that a lot and, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. Well, Tim Starving, it is one week at a time. It is 7.16 on a Wednesday night uh, before dinner. What is for dinner, first of all, Tim? What am I having? Uh, Masson and curry, I think. Chicken wraps downstairs. We're ready to go. Now, one week at a time, shows and sees us playing Hawthorne on Saturday afternoon in the Twilight game, which, very fortunate, as I said at the start of the potty, been able to go... um, it's against a club that I absolutely hate slightly. I hate them slightly um, more, oh, sorry, slightly less than Collingwood. Now, we've got a horrible track record against this mob, and I love beating them, considering I think we had a 16-game losing streak against them at one point, which was snapped. Mind you, I was listening to the Matty Jones uh, potty. Sorry, I couldn't be on there. But to say that, yeah, we broke the, the drought, might have been 2017 when Gorney was just arriving post-2016 against Geelong and sort of interrupted that. And we started breaking hoodoos and things. It was great to see that. But 4.35 start time, I believe, at the MCG. Um, it'll be interesting to see what crowd we get there. It is a Hawthorne home game, I believe. So um, if we can, these supporters still try and get down there because um, it'd be great to beat the Poos and Wees. It's been... <laughs> You know, obviously they've been good for so long, and yeah, I don't know about you, Tim, but I despise this football club. Yeah, I mean the changing of the guards probably it does it, a little bit like Collingwood in the sense that yeah, don't like them, but don't like stripes. There's <laughs> don't like stripes. Yeah, oh, look, it's I think more so probably for my dad rather, and and that generation where they've come from a really dominant Hawthorne era. Like what we've lived through as well, too. But you mm-hmm. know that that's not the case at the moment. They're in, 
they're in a stage of rebuilding and yeah, oh, look, I, I don't really care for it too much at all, but I just want to make sure that, you know, where they're, where they're sitting on the ladder at the moment. I hope that the D's, again, will, will front up, respect the opposition and, and do, do what's needed to be done to, to get the win and, and hopefully it's a big win. Yeah, well, it's a, yeah, who knows what could come about, knowing that last year, I believe, we drew with them. I was just was, looking that up. I was, yeah, that's what I remembered. Yeah, we drew. Yeah, it was a frustrating time. It was during that time where we were in a bit of a rough patch and, yeah, just didn't play great footy and Hawthorne just sort of took it to us. And, yeah, I hope that doesn't happen again. I hope we don't get a repeat of what happened with Gold Coast. I, th- I hope we, yeah, we put them to the sword. I think it's meant to be nice weather on the weekend, so I'm hoping that... Yeah, we can fully exploit them. I mean, we saw Frio dominate them, so you think could it be something similar to the North Melbourne? Probably not. And probably not 15 goals, but you think we want to be winning this game pretty comfortably and you know enjoying our Saturday afternoon slash night the football. Um, the, the game style is a bit interesting. I think you know they're quite young. They kind of go in waves where they show glimpses of great footy. It's just a matter of them streaming four quarters together. It's just not there. And you think, you know, you don't know when that's going to come and when that's going to arrive. Like I, I saw them in round one against Essendon. They just looked like witches hats from halfway through the second onwards. It was they're they're an interesting team of you know battlers really. I think. Oh, to be fair, getting back their key forward is going to straighten them up a little bit more and yeah. give them something up forward. So they'll be, you know, in the in the key matchups. Obviously, I think more well, obviously Maisie takes their number one number one forward, Mitch Lewis. Funnily enough, I remember when Mitch Lewis come about when they lost Sam Mitchell and Jordan Lewis in the one draft <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. picked him up with like pick seventy odd. Uh, funnily enough, to know to be their main forward now. So yeah, a, yeah. A quality player as well too. Like, quality, yeah, hundred percent. He's just a yeah. You know, he, Similar to Rue, you know, crash and bash sort of style. And, you know, he isn't terrible in front of the sticks as well. A um, few other matchups. I think, you know, a few of the young boys really starting to, to showcase, you know, some talent. You, your Warples, your Newcombs, your, your Will Bidet. Um, love him in Supercoach, by the way, if any other listeners have him. <laughs> Great to watch. Uh, but I think their, yeah, their youth is a, is a really interesting one. I think Sisdog Sicily is one that, yeah, constantly is he gets in the line of fire with us, and I think he tries to get under our skin a bit. And we do need to nullify him because obviously, at times this year he has played a bit of a drop-off game, and sometimes he has played the lockdown. So you don't know, really know which Sicily is going to get. And to be fair, if you've got a captain wearing long sleeves, you know, you know, your club's not going well. By the way. <laughs> right. First of all, does anyone call him Sis Dog? Or was that just you? Uh, it's a Supercoach thing, I believe. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I've no. been listening to Supercoach elites too much and I've picking up their jargon too much. There you go. <laughs> no, but I think you're right. They've definitely got some exciting young players and the bursts of talent that they do, it's just not necessarily sustainable for four quarters. Hopefully, yeah, for us that we can just showcase our, yeah, our endurance and, and be able to really be that class above. They've got some good midfielders, as you mentioned, so like Newcomb and Warple as well too, and then some, some nifty forwards and Amon and uh, what am I thinking of? And Wingard, who's been... I mean, who's, Wingard's had a pretty shocking season, but at, at his best is a, is a handy small forward up, up, up there as well too. So I'd like to see us hopefully capitalise on the clearances and still something that I know that the Ds are hopefully 
working towards being able to do consistently and even on, with a with a ruckman that's not you know not up to the same level is nobody's up to the same level as as gone but you know somebody that can at least compete that teams aren't just sharking and, and can win in the ball out of the middle quite easily so see what tactics that they take there 100 well yeah well reeves and meek are the actually Meek, do have that's right lord ruckman. meek yeah sorry i forgot yeah. they've got they've actually got a fair few ruckman that just yeah well max lynch keeps getting injured so you can't really get on the park well and the d's were after reeves is, meek as well too yes we were and i was really hoping that he landed us with us but obviously mm. that didn't you know it didn't happen but yeah well reeves is i mean he's he's hard to get around he's a big boy um i think he might have had a really good coming out game a couple of weeks ago where it's actually clunking marks but he doesn't do a lot of it around the ground. He took one mark on the weekend. You know, he gets his hand to it a little bit. Meeks a bit more crash and bash, um, as opposed to you know a bit more finesse from Nettie Reeves. The other player which thinking of, which I think, you know, put us to the sword a little bit was um, Dylan Moore. Dylan Moore's a little crafty, crafty half forward. Spends a little bit of time in the midfield. Um, yeah, you know, we need to be negating him a little bit because I think he could get off the string. At, you know, potentially. This is a weird one, and I, it's hard and it hurts me to say, but we need to be careful of Connor Nash. Connor Nash is up there with the most highly effective clearance player in the league for his centre-bounce tendencies, which is really bizarre. But he also plays a negating role on the opposition's best midfielder, which he would go to Clary, and I think he would nullify Clary's influence. So you think yeah. Petrarca's got to be up for a big game, I think is going to come out, and I think you know, Yovani's, your Sparrows who go in there, um, have the opportunity. They can be licking their lips um, with the attention going to Clary. I think, you know, those boys are going to have day outs. And I think, yeah, uh, we should win comfortably. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how we go against this bogey side, which it's been <laughs> an absolute nightmare seeing it because, yeah, hating the mob and knowing how much they've put me through. I've got two of my best mates go for Hawthorne. I'm sick of hearing, you know, being mediocre against them and... Yeah, I just want to put one through them. <laughs> so, all right, changes. Any any changes to the to the standard side? That's well, like, yeah, I think Goody's love child Spargo could potentially find himself back in the side. But you think who for? Um, I think there's a few players that would come under selection worries potentially. I think. Uh, well, it's, it's, do you know what? It's a hard one with Hibbert being a laid out. You think Hibbert's probably the the player to come in for Turner. I think Turner's yeah. more yeah. more one that, yeah, didn't do a whole lot, you know, might be replaced. You, you can't... It's it's a bloody hard one with Sparks because, to be fair, he's in our best 22 and what he brings and, you know, his ability to hit targets in 50 is, you know, up there with the best in the competition, which is, you know, he's, he's a very underrated player across the competition but highly rated by us. Um yeah. Yeah, we had a, the Spargo Award for him for that reason. He's so <laughs> underrated right. that, you know, he actually, yeah, he straightened the stuff up a bit and um, yeah, provides a little bit of a pesty sort of sort of game. And, you know, he might only be able to kick 23 metres, but uh, he, he hits targets and he, yeah, straightens us up. So you think who the hell is going to go out for him? I mean, bearing really an injury. I mean, does he come in as a sub potentially? I mean, uh, Harms wouldn't be far off getting a full game. I think he's, yeah, it's a hard one with him because obviously he's got some really good VFL form happening and, you know, he's been the sub two weeks in a row. James Jordan's been serviceable and you think he's, yeah, 
kind of like that 23rd player and you think out of our best 22 he's kind of there but he's yeah he's keeping up his end of the bargain but everyone else is in good nick so you think it's going to be yeah a wait and see i can see i think like turner goes out unfortunately for him you know it was asked a lot of him to come in and play on on casbolt yeah like huge huge human and yeah (laughs) turner's first kick bloody shanked it and I think mean, he nearly went out on the full, but... Hey, Kasbot lost him the game. I'm going to put that down. <laughs> Al was just laughing because she just calls him a buffoon, like, obviously, with Carlton days. But, yeah, she was just laughing her head off, uh, knowing that he's, yeah, now done that to another side, which, mind you, Kasbot's actually been all right for God. Yeah, no, that's right. Hippo, if fit, will play for Turner. If Spargo does come back in, the only player I see making way for him is Jordan. Unfortunately, like, I, I just see it as, like, a last-man in first man out sort of mentality because there's nobody else on that list that you can really see that comes out for that spot because the forward mix and I don't think they'll change up the forward mix at all you know like regardless of what goes on at the appeals board side of things Harmsy is a good x factor as as the sub now whether he tries to I'm sure not that he'd like to whether he carves out that role as a bit of a niche for him uh yeah no you hope not but again who, who are you taking out so no, look, I think Spargo for Spargo for Jordan, if fit, um, is Michael, plus with Hippo and Turner out. Yeah, probably hit the nail on the head. All right, Margin. So we've said win comfortably. Let's let's hope it's a 10-goal win, hey? I reckon it'll be about a 48-point win, so about eight goals. Very good. You talk here a lot about attention to detail. I know you do. You... In an investigation, details matter. That's as much detail as we're going to go into today. Another week down, Simo. It's been it's been a week. It's been a week of footy. It's been a week of controversy. But as you said, the main thing is that the D's are sitting six and two, second on the ladder. Pretty healthy percentage. We want to, you know what? The game that's like there's obviously a game this weekend against the Hawks. The Port Adelaide game is shaping up to be. Yeah, a pretty big fixture, don't you reckon? Like the King's birthday, everyone circled that as, you know, most likely 1v2. I cannot wait to get a piece of Collingwood. But, I, oh. They scare me a little bit, though. I still they think do. we're better than them, but they scare me. But the Port Adelaide game, I don't know. Did you watch any of the game they played against Essendon? Like, they, yeah, they were good they're, in they're spades, hitting some form. but they've got, they've got some real power. And I think their Dixon-Marshall-Finlayson connection they've got going up forward yeah. is posing a lot of threat. And Finn... Oh. Finlayson's been really, really good, and he's been all over the ground as well too. Like being able goes to in Iraq as well. Yeah, mm. like he's he's been a really handy addition to them. Second year for him now, I think it must be the first year for him. For some reason, I thought that game was at um, in Darwin, but Adelaide Oval. The the Port Adelaide game. The Port I Adelaide thought, game. Yeah, Friday night blockbuster. Do we play Port twice this year? Because I thought they announced something for uh, the. Yeah, what do you call? It? Oh no, the indigenous round. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It must be later in the. Must be later in the season. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> oh, it's it's GWS in round sixteen in Darwin. Right there, you go. Um, but yeah, no, no, it'll be. You think about we? I think we coined a few weeks ago that we wanted to be that this opportunity, whether we were what three and two, four and two, whatever. Um, having a really good shot to knock off some must-win games or, like, you know, ticking the boxes 
to then shape up to what would be really a couple of crucial contests. And mm-hmm. now the Port one's looking a little bit more, but also everyone's looking at um, because after that we play Frio at the G and then... I can't wait at the Dogger Cup. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the Sam Frost go. Cup this week as well too. So it's... Uh, yeah, it'll be that'll be yeah, oh, no, disappoint- yeah I can. disappointing to see Frio get a win. <laughs> we want to we want to see that uh, that draft pick get as high as possible for us as well too. So, that's uh, a handy it's a handy draft end. Mm, that's sure. it. All right, well, big thanks to our sponsors, Hophead Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. You know where to find us on our socials. Listen to your pod on all your favorite listening apps. Is that the word? All your guys streaming platforms, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, don't, as you mentioned earlier, before a little bit of a yeah, little bit of a plug. I talked to former D Maddie Jones last week, and yeah, released the pod earlier this week. Again, a really, really great chat about a player who was there right at the I suppose the turning point. I think that was the best part of like it was the turning point. He arrived the season that Neil was fired and Ruzi came in, and it, it was great to hear from him about that he. He didn't feel like that. I, I was, I, I was under the impression that you could imagine that all this shit is going on off the field that would impact the players within there. And he was sort of saying that it didn't really at all. And and it was probably his most enjoyable year at the club, first year in, and played every game, fourth and the best and fairest. But yeah, I think to hear him talk about Ruzi and what he did lay the foundations for our ultimate success in 2021. It was, yeah, great great to hear him chat about that and about his relationship with Gorney and, yeah, what he's up to now, playing for South and, yeah, got a flag under there. So, no, if you haven't, have a listen and, um, yeah, that's about it. Thanks, Simo. Pleasure. It's been been a good one. As always. (laughs) It's been a long one. It's been a long one. It's been a long one. We've been talking a lot. Well, Rue probably took up half an hour, so it's... um, Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Free Rue. Free Free Rue. That's it. But most, most importantly, come on, Dees. Up the Dees.